Let's do some exploring. Our topic today is compassionate capitalism, not the ordinary capitalism, the compassionate kind. Does that sound like utopia, strictly woo? Is it even possible? Let's dig in. This episode comes from a thought I had in the shower the other day. It is all about unintended consequences. In the panda episode, recall I shared how the world wildlife people highlight plastic has become the biggest pollution piece we have. So I decided to dig just a wee bit deeper. Right now, only 10% of all plastics is recycled. The other 90% finds its way to the landfill and then the oceans. Now, we have all heard ad nauseum about plastic bags and water bottles and drinking straws and excess packaging. So what gives, right? Well, here's what I learned. Did you know that a Belgian chemist and clever marketer, Leo Bacaland, pioneered the first fully synthetic plastic in 1907? He beat his Scottish rival, James Swinburne, to the patent office by one day. His invention, which he would later christen as Bakelite, combined two chemicals, formaldehyde and phenol, under heat and pressure. Now, Bakelite sparked a consumer boom in affordable yet highly desirable products. It had a dark brown, wood-like appearance, but it could be easily mass-produced, making it ideal for bringing new design trends, such as Art Deco, to the masses. In the early 1900s, the petroleum and chemical industries began to form alliances in companies like Dow Chemicals, ExxonMobil, DuPont, BASF. These companies today are still the major producers of raw material resins for the plastics industry. And these alliances were driven by the desire to make use of waste material from processing crude oil and natural gas. Now, one of the most abundant of these was ethylene gas, a byproduct that the British company Imperial Chemical Industries, or ICI, beat its German and U.S. competitors to make a plastic form. You see, in 1933, a team at ICI's plant, well, that team was attempting to combine ethylene and benzyl hide under great pressure and heat, and the experiment failed. Instead, due to a leak of oxygen into the vessel, they found a white, waxy substance in a reaction tube, and this was found to be a polymer of ethylene. Now, the world's most abundant plastic, polyethylene, is a wonder material. It's strong, is flexible, and it is heat resistant. Today, we live in a world of plastic. As a matter of fact, scientists calculate that there is 8.3 billion cubic tons of it in the world. I cannot fathom that number. It takes, however, 400 years for plastics to break down. 
and about one half of all the resins and fibers in plastics today were developed less than 15 years ago. Less than 15 years ago. Developing plastic that is truly recyclable and it breaks down easily has been an ongoing battle. That battle started in 1972, more than 40 years after the quote-unquote discovery of plastic. Plus today, the cost of virgin resin is way cheaper than the cost of recycled resin. I want to tell you a personal story. In the early 1990s, I started my first business. It was an all-natural, upscale line of aromatherapy bath products. Around the tub and below the neck is what I refer to it as. And this was in the days when the all-natural concept was still very much a micro-concept. Recycling was finally taking off and aromatherapy hadn't yet hit the mainstream. I had the great idea to bring it all together, make it easily understood, and make it world-class. Well, I did kind of. I was about three years ahead of the big guys. I got it to market, beautiful products, got it selling, but it did come with a huge cost and I ran out of money. And I wasn't wise enough at the time to figure out all my options. So for all my efforts, I remember saying to my husband, well, honey, the good news is we're never going to have to buy shower gel for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yes, always the optimist I am. So the other day in my shower, I realized he and I would likely finally finish all that unsold product in about six months. And my husband and I have at least another 30 years of good living left in us. So when I dried off, I got out my calculator and I played with some numbers. In the last 25 years, my husband and I have used about 1,200 bottles of the stuff. Now bear with me as I show you how I came up with this. Imagine in your mind's eye, your bathroom shower gel. And imagine you're not a buy the shower gel in bulk kind of person. So you very likely have the bottles that are around 250 mLs in size, which is about a cup or more of goop that goes in the bottle. And if you're like me, you take a shower every day. So you likely go through two bottles a month, which is 48 a year. And if you've been taking showers for 25 years, 600 bottles is the number you've used just in shower gel in 25 years. But here's the thing. Most of us live longer than 25 years. So let's think 50 years. Well, that's 1,200 bottles. And living to 100, because that seems pretty normal, could be close to 2,000 bottles of shower gel in your lifetime. Now, you're probably thinking, I'm absolutely crazy. Where the hell am I going? I want to make three points. The first is, we all have very short memories. Today, we look at the pictures of plastic bottles piled high in the streams, in the oceans, and shudder at who on earth uses that much plastic. Because we certainly do not, so it's got to be some other miscreant we can kick to the curb, right? And we've all been guilted into believing that not buying bottled water and plastic bottles and switching from plastic shopping bags to paper and investing in non-plastic straws is just the berries, haven't we? And yes, Every little bit helps. However, 
The sad truth is we all contribute to the plastic problem every single day. Now, the second point is about our global population. And let's cut my 600 bottles of shower gel in half. Because you and I both know that not every part of the world takes a daily shower. And there are parts of the world that don't shower at all. So in 1959, we're a planet of 3 billion people. Now multiply 3 billion by 300 bottles used every year. That is 900 billion plastic bottles annually, just in shower gel. By the early 1990s, our global population was around 5 billion. Now multiply 5 billion by 300 and you get a crap ton of zeros. I call that 1.5 gazillion bottles annually. And now in 2022, the global population is 8 billion. So today we are using 2.4 gazillion bottles every single year. Now, I got to be honest with you. I cannot fathom how huge the pile of a gazillion bottles is. But see what I mean? Every single one of us humans is contributing to the plastic problem every single day and every single week and every single month and every single year. Now, here's my final point. If you and I can go through just 600 bottles of shower gel in 25 years, how many bottles of shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, baby powder, and sunscreens would we use? How many laundry and juice soaps, sodas and juices, ketchup and mustard? Not to mention how many bottles of car oil and antifreeze and windshield wash. Now multiply all that by a factor of three, because most of us will likely live to at least 75. And then take into account that the global population will continue to grow astronomically. And we haven't even talked about the plastic seats in automobiles, the plastics in sofas and mattresses, or the plastics in rain gutters and eaves troughs. Everywhere we go, it's a plastic world. And if I had stopped and thought about the unintended consequences 25 years ago, when I was starting my first business, I would never have used plastic bottles. I never once thought about all the customers I would have who would throw away all those plastic bottles. I never once thought about the entire length of time I would keep that client and the resulting length of time that they would keep throwing out the bottles. I thought I was doing all the right things by having a recyclable bottle. So the do-over, if I could get one today, would be, how can I do this better? And I'll give you one other example. In my corporate career, I worked for three different companies which used plastic bottles as their main way to hold the product that they made. I never once looked at those bottles and said, you know, we should use a different material. I was focused on consolidating our purchase power to get the resin cheaper so that we could make cheaper plastic. I was worried about how to pass along the recycling upcharge fees that manufacturers paid without upsetting the customers too much. And I was investigating other ways to sell more product in plastic bottles so that we could increase our market share. And I know for a fact that most of the rest of the businesses in similar situations were doing the exact same kinds of things 
We all were. As a matter of fact, the only things we contemplated for packaging was a different size and a new kind of look. We never once looked at the fundamentals we packaged the stuff in. Now, here's a fun fact. Unilever and P&G, likely the two biggest multinationals that sell so much to consumers, have just come out with recyclable plastic tubes for toothpaste this year. This year. Why the delay? Well, first, you got to recognize and admit that you're part of the problem. And that takes all of us a hell of a long time. And then you got to have the fortitude to step out and make a change, which means you need to commit some money to researching and then testing alternatives. And then when you find a workable alternative, you very likely got to retool a huge chunk of your operation. And you know what? Consumers have no interest in paying for research and development and testing and process retooling. So under the old capitalism model, companies are forced to tread carefully so they don't waste gobs of money on what could amount to a fishing expedition and prevent them from paying solid dividends to their investors and amazing salaries to their high-powered executives. And if you're a Dow Chemical, an ExxonMobil, a DuPont, or even a BASF, and you offer employment to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of employees, and you've done that for decades, how can you immediately close up shop and refuse to manufacture the resins that are used in plastics? How can all those hundreds of thousands of employees and communities survive? Because the problem is not just about stopping plastics. And it's not just about penalties to the so-called bad guys. It is way bigger than that. And that is why I am so passionate about exploring compassionate capitalism. Because if we're going to fix the globe, we cannot follow the foolish ways that got us here. And I'm betting that many of you are still doing exactly what we've always done for decades. Looking for cheaper materials, figuring out how to use less raw materials and not end up with a faulty product, trying to find more customers to increase that market share, and pulling your hair out, trying to find creative ways not to keep passing along surcharges to your customers. I get it. I've been there and so many of us have also been there. So today, I invite you to think about something. You now know a few different facts and you have a choice continue doing the same thing, or ask one of two questions. How can we do this different? What could we do differently if we were to start completely fresh today? Let me leave you with something. You have very likely met a ton of people who would tell you how innovative and creative they are or their companies are. In fact, you too might think you are absolutely innovative and creative yourself. And when we stack you up to most of the rest of the world, you do very likely fall somewhere on that spectrum. However, in terms of helping improve the globe, in terms of protecting the last 30% of the resources that we have at our disposal, your way of thinking is not enough. Because you are limiting your thinking to what currently is. You want to be really innovative and creative? Regardless of whether you own the company or not, 
whether you are a high-ranking person or not, whether your organization is a market leader or not, ask one of two questions. How can we do this better? What would we do differently if we were to start completely fresh? And then keep pushing until you get the right answer, because that is the only way to stay ahead of everyone else. That is the only way to bring friendly products to the market. And that is the only way to become a leader in your lane. I'll say this forever and ever. If we knew the unintended consequences of the actions we took 20, 30, 50, 75, even 200 years ago, I believe we would ask for a do-over. And since we can't do a do-over, what we must do now is a do-better. And that do-better must be in the highest good of all. 